Awesome. Hey, if you're joining us online, welcome. So glad that you're able to make it. But hey, real quick, can we pray again? Is that cool? But I'm going to get you to join me in praying. Let's say this together. Say, Jesus, Jesus. tonight, tonight. Let, me experience you. let me experience you. Let my life be changed. Let this message be for me. Let me not be the same person that walked in here as the person that walks out. In your amazing name, amen. Awesome. Well, listen, I got a quick question for us to think about for a moment. I wonder how many people would be here tonight and would feel that God wants to use them in, in, in a unique way. Or maybe they look back a little bit and they're like, man, I, I feel like God would have wanted to use me, but in my, whatever, it's my school, my workplace, or with my friends. But then we look at our past. We look at some of the mistakes that we did or made, and we're like, there's no way that God could use me. I mean, like Pastor Taylor, if you knew my history, if you knew my, my mistakes, you would actually agree that there's no way that God would want to use me. Could I encourage you tonight as we start this message that God can still use you? In fact, God wants to use you. I mean, for a moment, just look at the list of people who we have as our examples in Scripture, the people who God used in spite of their shortfalls. I mean, Abraham and Jacob were liars. Moses, David, and Paul were murderers. David also had an affair. Jeremiah was depressed. Jonah ran from God. Gideon didn't believe in what God could do. Yet God still used them. Tonight we're starting a series. It's called God's Plan. And that's going to lead us all the way throughout the fall. But we're going to start off tonight by looking at a man by the name of by the name of Naaman. Say Naaman with me tonight. And when we look at Naaman, we're going to find three keys that are significant to God using us despite our shortfalls. Before we get in there, I want to talk about something really quickly. We're not talking tonight about whether if something happened to you and whether or not God could still use you. The answer to that is yes. Rather, we're talking about our personal actions which have led to sin and now you might be here, and you're like, I'm not so sure. God still wants to use me. This is how Scripture introduces Naaman. It says this. In 2 Kings chapter 5, it says, Now Naaman was a captain of the, king of, of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man with his master. He was highly respected. And because by him the Lord had given, him vic- had given victory to Aram, the man was also a valiant warrior. I mean, when we look at this, we can kind of see that Naaman is the man. I mean, he was the captain of the army of Aram. Naaman had a lot of respect, and a lot of this was given to him by God. And on top of all of that, the dude could fight. He was a valiant warrior. I mean, if Naaman was alive today, he would have millions of followers on social media. He'd be getting all types of endorsements. People just were paying thousands of dollars just to have him take a picture with one of their products. And see, what the author wanted to see is get you to kind of know how successful 
he was. And then when your attention was grabbed, when my attention was grabbed, he would put a small little conjunction in the sentence. He says, this is who Naaman was, but he was a super successful dude, but. He says he was on top of his game, but. He was a valiant warrior, but. And then the next four words changed absolutely everything. It's almost as if his accolades didn't even matter anymore. It says this, it says, but he was a leper. Now, leprosy was more than just your regular disease. See, every single thing you did stopped in its tracks if you got leprosy. In fact, it was so contagious that you weren't even allowed to live with inside the city limits. You had to live in community with other lepers and watch as your newfound friends wasted away. You just had to wait before you experienced the same fate. It's one thing to be unwell, it's a completely different thing to be unwell and to be helpless. And this was Naaman. The only thing that a person with leprosy could look forward to was prior to death was the loss of body parts and excruciating pain. This was Naaman's life. This was a death sentence without dignity. And although he had all these awards and plaques and accomplishments, he had victories and recognition, this diagnosis reminded Naaman that he was just a human whose life was stopped because of a disease. I mean, could you imagine the plans that Naaman had? Maybe he wanted to take political office. Maybe him and his wife wanted to extend their family. He can't even be in the same house as his wife anymore. Maybe they wanted to travel throughout the ancient world. All of these things stopped in their tracks because of the disease that was eating him away. Now catch this, this is what sin does in our lives. You might have, amazing, have an amazing resume with accolades to be desired and plans for an, an incredible future, but sin will indiscriminately destroy your future and leave you hopeless and helpless. Let me say that again, sin will indiscriminately destroy your future and leave you hopeless and helpless. Throughout a series of, of events, Naaman comes to a man, a prophet by the name of Elisha, who tells him to go to the Jordan River and to wash in the Jordan seven times, and he will be clean. And man, Naaman got mad. He's like, man, why didn't this man just put his hands on me and pray for me? I, I, and back where I'm from, we've got way better rivers than what we ha- that they have here. I'm not going to do this. And so Naaman decides that he's going to get up and he's going to leave. And then one of his servants turns to him, and he says this. He says, my father had the prophet told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more than when he says to you, wash and be clean? So Naaman stopped, did a U-turn. He went down, he dipped himself in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a child and he was clean. Head in the way, Naaman had, was full of leprosy, but he decided he was gonna take a U-turn. And in doing so, Naaman did three things. One, he repented. He changed the way that he was thinking. Two, he received what God had for him tonight. That's going to be forgiveness. And number three, he believed in faith. And for us, it's believing what Christ had done. Listen, as bad as you feel like you might have messed up your life, these three steps will propel you from where you are into the destiny that God has for you. So number one tonight, we've got to repent. Say repent with me. 
I want you to imagine for a second as driving down a deer foot and you miss your exit. And instead of doing what most people do, what you decide to do is you're like, you know what? You turn to the person beside you, like, if I just continue to drive straight, eventually, one day, sometime, I'm going to get to the right destination. If I was in the car and you said that to me, I'd be trying to get out of the vehicle because I no longer feel safe while you're driving. What do we do? We stop what we're doing. Well, we're not, we don't stop on the highway, but we pull off, get off at the next exit, we go over the overpass, come back around, get jumped back on the highway, and we get back off where we were supposed to, do, supposed to be. That is a picture of what repentance is. This is what Naaman did. This is what you and I also need to do. Listen, it's one thing for us to feel sorry about when we mess up. It's another thing, when we sin, it's a whole different thing for us to begin to actively work towards moving away from that sin. It might mean not watching certain TV shows or maybe charging your phone outside of your room. It could mean that you're no longer going to go to certain places or environments that elicit the worst out of you. Here's the thing. These, these things, these decisions, these sins create distance between us and God. Kind of like when we miss that exit. And every minute that we drive takes us a minute away from God's best for our lives. But the moment we turn and we say, I was wrong, is the moment we're back on track for God's best. Doesn't matter how big or how small the sin was, repentance brings us back into right relationship with God. This is what James said. He says that when we draw near to God, God draws near to us. So while sin might create distance, repentance removes that distance. Number one, we've got to work, learn how to repent. Number two tonight is we need, we need to receive God's forgiveness. Well, sometimes we can begin to think about forgiveness in terms of how other people or how maybe we have forgiven other people sometimes. You know, when we forgive somebody and then we begin to hold it over their head a little bit, we're like, hey, remember when you did this? And I, I, listen, I know nobody in this room ever has done anything like that, but we've probably experienced it before when people bring it back up. And sometimes we think about repentance or, or for God's forgiveness in the same way. We're like, man, I know scripture says that God has forgiven me, but I'm just waiting for that hammer to drop. And if that's how you think, listen, you've got the wrong idea of who God is. Listen, while unconfessed sin can and it does hinder you from reaching your God-given destiny, confessed sin is forgiven sin and forgiven sin is forgotten sin. I'm gonna say that again. Confess sin is forgiven sin. Forgiven sin is forgotten sin. Psalm 103 says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has removed your sins from you. Hebrews chapter eight verse 12 says that God will remember your sins no more. Let's pause for a second. Lean in if you have to. Don't miss this tonight, especially if you think that your past prevents you from accomplishing what God wants to do in your life. God has amnesia when it comes to confess sin. God cannot remember the sins that you have confessed to him. So my prayer tonight is that, my, is that that gives some freedom to some people. That those who've been locked up from a lie from the enemy that, God, that says God cannot use you, that if you've confessed your sin, listen, God does not hold that against you. Now does that mean that there's no natural consequences? No, there are still natural consequences. But God 
has forgiven you for what you did. Number one, we repent. Number two, we've got to receive God's forgiveness. And number three is this, we've got to believe in what Christ has done. I want to show you a passage really quickly in Colossians chapter two. It says this, it says that when we were dead in our transgressions and the uncircumcision of our flesh, he, Jesus, made us alive together with him, having forgiven all of our transgressions and canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he taken it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. And we did, when he disarmed the rulers and authorities, Jesus made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. This is what Christ did. Let me explain. You and I were eternally separated from God. There was nothing we could do. We couldn't serve our way into heaven. We couldn't be good and make it into heaven. We couldn't give more and make it into heaven. We couldn't even study and get into heaven. Isaiah says that our good works, our good deeds, us trying to do good things are the same thing as filthy rags. They're absolutely useless and they're utterly offensive to give as a gift. Man, this, this last Thursday was my wife's birthday. Could you imagine if she woke up in the morning and I was like, hey, hey babe, I got you a birthday present. Why don't you open this? And she sees a box and she opens the, the gift and inside are used, dirty rags. How do you think that would have gone? Let me tell you, my wife is 36 weeks pregnant and if for her birthday, if that was it, mm -mm, I would be, this would be my funeral tonight. This would be nothing else but my funeral. Listen, in the world that we live in, everything is possible through hard work, determination, and perseverance. In our relationship with God, we can't even save ourselves. Paul says this. He says that Jesus canceled out the certificate of debt. You might not know what that is. Essentially, it's an IOU. If you owe me money, back then it would be written down on Papriya's paper. And essentially, I, and I would hold it over, I would, it, it would restrict what you could buy going forward. It would restrict what you could actually do going forward. And so it's kind of like your credit score. And so Paul is saying that our sins were on that piece of paper. You might have lied before, it's on that piece of paper. You might have cheated, you, that, that, that's written down. You might have watched things that you shouldn't have watched that's on that piece of paper. You might have done something horrible to somebody before. It's on that piece of paper. Every sin you committed is on that piece of paper. And there is nothing that you could do. There's nothing that I could do. But Jesus, he destroyed every single thing that was held against you and he nailed it to the cross. Listen, Jesus hung between heaven and earth with all hell watching and he paid the price for your sin. He paid the price for my sin. So when Satan comes to begin to convince you about how bad you are, when he comes to try to destroy your life, can I tell you tonight that you can appeal to a landmark decision that was made on the cross at Calvary. Doesn't have to hold you back anymore. Come on, is that good news? But Paul's not done yet. He said this. He said, when all this had happened, when Jesus took that and he nailed it to the cross, it says that Jesus made a public display of the enemy. Now catch this tonight. 
See, what would happen is when a Roman, when a, when a Roman general would win a no, notable victory, he would disarm his opponents by stripping them down. Then what he would do is he would march his victorious army through Rome with the kings and leaders of the defeated army behind them. What Paul is doing is he's painting a picture for us. That through the, that, and the image is that through the death of Christ, that Satan and every one of his demons were rendered powerless through the victory of Christ. And that what Christ had done, some sort of cosmic victory lap with the defeated powers behind him. Listen, tonight you might feel that what you've done in the past disqualifies you from God ever using you. But can I ask you tonight, have you heard of the power of Christ and what he has done? Listen, if he can do it for a murderous, stuttering Moses, he can do it for you. If he can do it for a murderous, adulterous David, he can do it for you. If he can do it for a murderous, deceived Saul, who later became Paul, he can do it for you. Don't allow the lie of the enemy to prevent you from experiencing all that God has for you. One of the great statements in Scripture is that there is nothing that's impossible with God. I mean, let's be real for a moment. He created the world with his word. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. If, it's, if he's already done all of this, let's ask the question, what else can he do? I mean, let's have a conversation tonight about the omnipotence of God, which means the power, the strength, the might of God. There's nothing that's too hard for him. In fact, Jeremiah says this. He's prophesying, and he says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. He asked the question, Is there anything too difficult for me? Are you trying to figure this out tonight? The answer to that is no. He can fix your faults and failures and set you in the right direction. God consistently takes a losing hand and makes it into a winning hand. It means that having a relationship with God, now there can be victory over your circumstances. Come on, listen tonight, you don't have to be the same person that you were. You don't have to live the same life that you did. There is freedom for you tonight. There is healing for you tonight. There is breakthrough for you tonight. If you are sick, he can provide. If you, he can heal. If, if you're in need, he can provide. If you're broken, he can mend. Listen tonight, he's the friend to the friendless. He's the father to the fatherless, the mother to the motherless. The old saints say it this way. He says, it says that he's a doctor in the, court, in, in the sick room, the lawyer in the courtroom. To the sick, he's the balm of Gilead. To the hurting, he's the rose of Sharon. To those who need guidance, he's the bright and morning star. To the, there is nothing that our God cannot do because he's every single thing that you need in every single situation that you are in. This is when I think about this and all that Christ has done, it brings me back to this old school song. Now, some of you might know it, and some of you might not. It goes like this. You ready? It's by the temptations. This is the lyrics. He says this. He's telling a story. He says, I've got sunshine on a cloudy day. You guys know it? It might be cold outside, but it's the month of May. He's like, listen, I know you got some questions right now. What makes me feel this way? And he answers the question. He says, it's my girl. My girl makes it. So that when it's cloudy outside, it feels like it's May. He goes on, and he continues the song. But, I, man, I was thinking, to, uh, you know, as I was preparing this message, I was like, I was thinking about the majesty, the goodness, the power of God who, in the midst of my struggles, he, he doesn't hold it against me. I was like, you know, I, I've got sunshine on a cloudy day. When it's cold outside, 
is the month of May. Now, here's the thing. I know you've got questions about what makes me feel this way. Can I tell you? My God. It's my God. Now, listen, I don't need money, no fortune, no fame. I've got all the riches one man can claim. Well, I guess you say, what can make me feel this way? I'm talking about my God. Listen, I don't think you've caught it yet. I said, I've got sunshine on a cloudy day. It might be cold outside, but it's the month of May. Well, you ask, what can make me feel this way? I'm talking about my God. I don't need no money, no fortune, no fame. I've got all the riches this one man can claim. Well, you say, what can make this preacher man feel this way? I'm talking about, come on, my God, my God. He's the one who died for me. He's the one who gave me victory over death, the one who's given me victory over my sins and my trials and my circumstances. He forgives my sins and he does not hold my shortfalling against me. What can make me feel this way? Come on, church. It's my God. Come on, why don't we stand to our feet and worship our God tonight?